Hello and welcome to the London Coronavirus Podcast, the original and still the only independent podcast on the coronavirus content market. Every day on the pod, we will do our utmost to provide a little bit of positivity against the backdrop of what is, well, quite an insane situation, really, in London, the UK, and of course, throughout the globe. On the pod today, with London in almost total lockdown, we talked about small spaces, we talked about FOMO, we had an update and advice from Japan, and of course, coronavirus confession, living the quarantine dream, and so much more. Uh, alongside me, yet very far away from me as well, in equal measure, is Mr. James, where James, it used to be go big or go home. Now it's kind of go home and go big. Day nine of the pod, and we ride on, my friend. Absolutely, yeah, I was hearing how while we can't go out, out, we must stay in, in. (laughs) And it seems like we can embrace that with the same amount of enthusiasm. And yeah, today the feeling really seems to be that as we settle into this strange new life, we're kind of getting a bit more familiar with it, aren't we? I feel certainly that I'm not quite pro yet, but whereas I was like a real amateur earlier on, maybe I'm reaching the lowest semi-pro leagues <laughs> of this life we're living. Uh, and we're, we're all going to try and get as good at it as we can all together. And that was very much the aim on this show, wasn't it? Absolutely. We're here every day, don't forget, on the London Coronavirus Podcast. Enjoy the pod. <laughs> James, I wanted to start today just by chatting about something that struck me about an hour ago, actually, because one of the one of the light bulbs had gone out uh, in my flat. So I stood on the kitchen top to unscrew it. And uh, I just saw in my very, very modest little home from I saw my home from a bit of a different angle that I'd just never seen before. And I sat down on the kitchen top and I had a bowl of Weetabix for dinner, which I haven't actually eaten in years. And I saw my flat a little bit differently and the kind of late evening spring light came in and it kind of melted into the space and it just got me thinking mate how we have to start seeing isolation from a few more creative angles really I think to stay sane because the reality is we're all going to be getting pretty familiar with our flats in the next few weeks and months and listen a lot of people uh, do live in houses outside cities but a lot of us do live in small spaces in big cities so that's where we're at and uh, yeah I mean I think we've got to move past the what would I be doing usually on a Wednesday evening kind of thing and appreciate the new normal and appreciate just where we are, James, in this uh, pretty mad journey. Yeah, I like that when you were recounting that, Dave, the part of the sentence that least shocked me was, and then I sat down to have Weetabix for dinner. Like that sounded completely (laughs) normal right now against the context of everything else and what you're saying. Whereas a week ago, even that would have seemed like quite a shocking admission in itself. But yeah, I'm, I'm really feeling that too. It feels like compared to earlier in the week when it was still all more of a shock to the system that, wow, we're facing up to this first full week in lockdown. Now, It feels like people are starting maybe tentatively and maybe a little bit unsure about how long it's all going to go on and aware that it's going to change. The nature of this whole thing is going to change over the course of that experience. But it does feel like people are slowly but surely getting into the swing of things. I got a message today from a friend of mine and I was just checking in with him. It's was like, how's everything going, man? And he responded... Yes, yeah, going pretty well, actually. Feels 
like a holiday just without (laughs) the beach and i thought that like compared to like the start of the week when people were tearing their hair out not just because you could no longer go to the barbers (laughs) to get your hair cut so it was quite a practical way of getting your mane shortened but also at the stress of what they were going to do themselves i feel that is kind of a reflection of a lot of people kind of embracing the more positive sides of this setup. Another friend of mine who I was messaging today touched on something that I'd been saying to my girlfriend yesterday, which was that when you're doing the simple things that this new isolation immersion is forcing us to do, when you are doing those simple things, Normally, you'd be like, well, is this really what I want to be doing? I could be doing this, that, or the other. You go on your Instagram and see other people who were doing this, that, and the other that you'd rather be doing. And it kind of enforces this spiral of missing out. Whereas for the time being, FOMO is dead. (laughs) Or at the very least, FOMO is on ice. And we've been speaking about that yesterday. You can't have a fear of missing out when missing out just isn't <laughs> yeah. a thing, right? Like, it's actually impossible. And then my friend sent through this voice note today, and he's working really hard at the moment on setting up his own company. And he was, like, echoing exactly that sentiment. He was like, yeah, you know what? There's never been a time in our modern social media, busy London lives where FOMO hasn't been quite driving force of our feelings, whereas it just doesn't exist right now. So we might be having to wrangle with some new emotions, yes. Some maybe that we're not so used to or we've been trying to run away from for years and years and years. But on the plus side, FOMO is no longer an emotional wrestling match that we're having to face, which normally we would be if we were in anything like this kind of situation. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because the reality is that nobody's really having a quote-unquote better time than you. And when I was sat there eating the Weetabix, Mm. James, and I did have quite a few and the sunshine was coming in, I felt, you know, pretty content with the world. And there is no, like you said, there's no missing out. There's not that pop-up bar that you should be going to or, you you know, the dinner there or the drinks there. It just doesn't, it's not happening. So everyone's in a really odd, and this clearly is a very challenging time for everyone. And, and again, we are on the very early stages of this. And in a couple of weeks' time, it might be different. But I don't know. I, I felt very, very content today. And yeah, the, as you put it perfectly, I mean, FOMO is, it's over. They're going to have to come up with a new marketing campaign because, yeah, FOMO's dead. It's, it's at least on very, very heavy set ice. Absolutely. And as much as some of the celebrity efforts that have come out of this have been slated, and I think quite rightly so, some of them. I mean, they've been pretty disastrous and yeah. tone deaf compared to the experience of most people. And there's obviously the controversy around the fact that celebrities are people who seem to be able to keep getting tested for this thing, whereas most members of the public can't, especially in the UK right now. But that aside... I think it's also extraordinary on the topic of FOMO and the lack of its existence right now, FOMO being on pause much like normal life is on pause. I think it's really interesting that beyond these weird like celebrity expressions and the testing, it is a great social leveller 
this experience yeah. right now, isn't it? But yeah, like, yeah. it doesn't matter how famous you are, how influential you are. <laughs> if you're in a country that's on lockdown, like we are in the UK right now, or even if you're up in Hollywood, you have to abide by those rules. And there aren't many things, or really thinking out loud, I can't think of any things where that's normally the case, right? Normally, if you're famous or rich, you hold enough sway or influence to wrangle your way around most rules or at least have a liberal approach to them. Whereas this really is something which is levelling all of us. What can you say? Everyone, no matter how rich you are, everyone has to abide by the rules and stay at home. And I guess maybe what will unite everyone, James, is the London Coronavirus podcast. Next up on the pod, we have the coronavirus confession section. This is the part of the podcast where we invite you to come into the booth, sit down and relieve yourself of your sins. However deep and however dark, Windsor and Ware are certainly not here to judge. We are just here to listen. And has been increasingly the case, please, by all means, do give us a false name, a false location. We want this to be a safe place. And with that in mind, today we have Darren from Dagenham. And Darren is, like the rest of us, cooped up at home. And this is his coronavirus confession. Hi, this is Darren from Dagenham, and this is my coronavirus confession. Uh, I've created a rather childish game involving a plastic football and a washing machine. Uh, From about four metres away from the washing machine, I'm kicking said football and trying to get it into the drum of the washing machine, um, which is probably not very good for the washing machine and definitely not very good for my downstairs neighbours. But we've got to try and alleviate that boredom. Um, Currently, 60% of the time I'm getting it in every single time. That wasn't a goal time then. Well, I really like James how, well, I think that's the first time actually we've had a confession that was not just articulated, but also demonstrated live as well. So a bit of a first on the London Coronavirus podcast, but a worthwhile uh, confession nonetheless. Yeah, you could really sense, couldn't you, with that fact about the 60% conversion rate, that obviously our mysterious friend from Dagenham is a hardcore football stats addict. And he's yeah. trying to get his fix any way he can. And, and I like that. He, he's found a good, safe, rule-abiding way of replacing that in his day-to-day life. So good on him for that. Enjoyed for demonstration too. does make me wonder, if this is going to continue as long as it looks like it may very well do so, what kind of games and ways of entertaining ourselves are we going to see invented I mean if ever there was a period where somebody was going to come up with the next monopoly this must be it surely because right now yeah a couple of hands of cards oh why not like get out you know dust off an old family board game and a a really niche favorite wow we've been waiting for the opportunity we're still in this innocent golden phase riding into the quarantine dawn light. But in a, in a few weeks, when we're really ganging deep, I'm wondering what people, and if anyone listening is going to find themselves in, their, in this situation, please do 
share it with us here at London Coronavirus Podcast. But I'm wondering what kind of wacky and weird games people are going to be improvising as pastimes because there has never been a time, certainly in our lifetimes, where the phrase pastime has taken on quite such a literal meaning. Yeah, on the back of our official coronavirus confession, Dave, I'm actually going to have to slippy slide into the coronavirus confession booth today. That's because- okay. Darren Darren left it ajar, James, and you are always welcome in. I've had a fair few stints in there recently, so by all means, sit down, get comfy and relieve. Thanks, yeah. You've been keeping the chair warm for me in here, Dave. I, I can feel that and I appreciate being warm, as I confess. So, today, I have to confess that I went outside on my one permitted walk. I, I was very much sticking to the official rules and regulations there. But I went out on my one permitted walk with the full intention of getting a takeaway coffee. Wow, James. Okay, I I mean, that's from a bygone era. Explain yourself, my man. So, uh, I noticed yesterday on my one allotted walk, this is a real, like, one allotted walk saga. A a, a real thriller told in a series of one allotted walks. But I, I noticed yesterday that nearby me, there's a large M&S. You know, the kind that's got the food store, the clothing store, and even a little cafe. And the lockdown had obviously closed all coffee shops, anything that could offer that. But very cheekily, exploiting a lockdown loophole, M&S had kept its cafe open. So it had what could only be described as a speakeasy coffee shop in iteration. (laughs) And I'd never been able to really imagine, you know, as much as like speakeasy bars were kind of all the rage in London, like 10 years ago, right, when they come over from New York. And it was all about that like Al Capone, Chicago chic, like bringing that feeling. As much as like speakeasy bars were a bit of a laugh while they still have the novelty, I'd never really imagined what that must have been like during the actual prohibition. But yesterday, seeing them putting fresh coffee into a takeaway cup, I really (laughs) could imagine what that must have been like to be able to go and like have an illegal drink. Yeah. And and I have to be honest, I, I went out and was very much looking forward to as much as my cafetiere coffee skills are developing a pace during this enforced home coffee brewing spell. I mean, uh, it's like a compulsory coffee masters if you don't want to go caffeine cold turkey. But (laughs) as much as my home brew skills are improving, I was really looking forward to that takeaway coffee. That was kind of my my little light today, even if a slightly illegal light. And and that light was firmly extinguished because obviously (laughs) they've been told that they couldn't continue this i mean it was pretty clearly breaching the rules and they 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 had to shut this down and had a sign saying that was for the safety of their staff uh, of their staff and customers yeah but these lockdown loopholes 
James. I mean, there are a few of them. We've said that you, you know, you can still run, and now is the time to take up running. And as long as you keep running, then you're not breaking any laws. And this is perhaps closer to the margins of legality. But I don't know whether you've heard. We we live uh, a couple of boroughs apart in London, but I don't know whether you've heard. There's been rumours about because all, obviously all the barber shops are shut now, but and people are just basically resorting to cutting their own hair. But there are rumours that there's a barber that operates with uh, full mask and gloves and tries to keep a meter away from you as he trims your hair operating between the hours of about midnight and 3am in a certain part of West London. And I heard that rumour trickling, yeah, heard that rumour kind of trickling through today. So listen, lockdown loopholes is here to stay. There's always going to be people that just try and push, uh, push the margins, push the fringes of what's, uh, what's available, I think. But you can get caught out, of course, James, as you're about to tell us, I think, mate. Yeah, hoping that that mysterious barber isn't going to turn out to be a kind of seasonal Sweeney Todd (laughs) that sounds like could go all sorts of ways but yeah you've got to be very careful I think Dave even if these are legitimate lockdown loopholes which people are seeking to exploit they've got to be very careful about what they're doing because there's news that came out of the worldwide news machine today which is generating ever more content and there there was a story that particularly shocked me which came from Rwanda where a man snuck out to go fishing in clear contravention of the rules they're in full lockdown there in Rwanda Mm. and so he was clearly breaking the rules there I mean there wasn't even a loophole to really exploit (laughs) But he decided that he would go out and go fishing. And in some immediate coronavirus karma, I mean, people are asking how they're going to enforce the rules. Well, here, Mother Nature did all too quickly because this man was eaten by a crocodile. (laughs) Jesus. I mean, that. I'm hoping that's not going to happen here. If I get cheeky and go for a second run in St. James's <laughs> Park, that would be a brutal way to go. No, that's some instant snappy judgment there. That's, uh, wow. Oh, that's, I mean, that's no laughing matter, really. That's, that's, uh, that's, astonish- that's astonishing uh, coronavirus karma. No, I hope it doesn't happen to you, James, mate. Thanks. I appreciate that, man. But yeah, there are some legitimate loopholes too, aren't there? Wh- which are slightly less deadly for those going out of them. And We saw a story today that came from Argentina, where you were recently, about the president of the country, nonetheless, coming out to clarify a lockdown. Yeah, and I I don't know... Like, I assure you, I'm not actually seeking out stories from Argentina, James. They just seem to keep coming up. It just keeps, <laughs> seems to be a country that's really, uh, really embracing this from a kind of news perspective. And yeah, absolutely. The president, Alberto Fernandez, ordered all but essential workers to stay at home and off the streets. So they are in, I mean, they're in total lockdown, James. You can't go for a run. You can't go for a walk. It makes London mm. uh, look like some kind of liberal fantasy compared to what they're actually experiencing in Argentina right now. But the president, uh, he had to change the rules after receiving a message from the mother of a seven-year-old boy who had recently lost his first tooth. And President Alberto Fernandez reassured the boy an hour later that the tooth fairy was indeed on the official list of exceptions to the lockdown rules. So it's another one for the lockdown uh, loophole category. And it's, it's a bit of a heartwarming story as well. But the tooth fairy can still deliver. London, coronavirus podcast, living.
Next up, we've got our feature, Living the Quarren Dream. Listen, we're all cooped up inside at the moment, and that has resulted in some weird and wacky and creative and beautiful things that people have enjoyed and experienced whilst cooped up inside. And today, we have a clip from my sister, Sarah, who is down by the seaside in Brighton. And uh, let's go straight to it. This is her living the Quarren Dream. Hi, guys. This is Sarah, Dave's sister from Brighton. One of the problems from working from home is I've developed a really bad back and a really stiff neck from leaning over my laptop at the kitchen table because I don't have a monitor. And initially I thought, you know what, it'll be two weeks, I'll just get through it, it'll be fine. Uh, But I got an email from my company saying we should prepare for three months working from home. And at this point I thought, I can't, I can't do this for three months. So I strolled around the flat, just trying to kill those extra minutes, trying to come up with a plan. And I saw two bedside tables whose fate for Facebook Marketplace has temporarily been put on hold and two planks of wood uh, that were supposed to be some new bookshelves. But their destiny has changed and I've managed to makeshift a desk. I put the two bedside tables equally spaced that I can lean against a wall, slot my legs in between them and the two planks of wood over the top have created my own home office. To add to that, at this point, as I was just settling in to do some email admin, my boyfriend bought me lunch. Now, as we're not out and about, and I'm not in the office, lunch is no longer an overpriced pret sandwich. Lunch today was homemade naan bread and a red lentil dal. I mean, that's just crazy. And I looked looked around, and I had my own office and homemade naan for lunch, and I just thought, I am living the Corin dream. So guys, stay healthy, stay creative, stay positive and keep listening. London Coronavirus Podcast, living the Corin dream. Well, there we go, James. And uh, yeah, that was my sister Sarah's living the Corin dream. And I think it kind of has started to tap into the fact that people are seeing the Quarren Dream not just as a little Tuesday fancy, but actually potentially as a bit of a long game. Yeah, it feels like that's the real shift this week, isn't it? And also, Mm. what I really like is we keep saying that it feels like we're living this kind of brave new life. We're living in this like parallel life experience right now. And yeah, there are lots of things that that doesn't involve that we normally enjoy. But there are definitely aspects of this new setup which actually are really fantastic. And I think being able to see those, whether it's being able to like set up your new space or the fact that you get to have a yummier lunch, like those, (laughs) you know, there are things about this that are actually better almost than our normal day-to-day typical life so I think being able to see those and keep those in mind as much as we might start missing things more as this goes on is going to be really important and we also spoke really early on during the pod Dave last week about how this is going to force people to pick up new skills and I like that there we were getting like (laughs) construction skills and cookery (laughs) skills And it does make me wonder, like, if this does drag on as long as it looks like it could well do, we're going to have people emerging in a few months' time who suddenly are actually really good at cooking 
And by the sounds of it, suddenly are actually really good at engineering. So I think we're kind of like <laughs> due this like weird sort of, even on quite a small local level, like micro boom post the quarantine <laughs> from people who have just picked up all of these new skills, which I, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing. I mean, for me, my, my skills have been very focused so far. One of the ways that we're livening up our routine is I mentioned last weekend that we we treated ourselves to poached eggs and we're really working through the egg cooking entire oeuvre, the entire egg oeuvre. Is that pronounced right? That feel, feels like I've just got an egg in my mouth. So I'm trying to say you've, that. You've gone for it, James, and I'm in no position to correct you, so plough on. Yeah, well, you meant to learn a language during this lock-in anyway, so I may as well try and learn <laughs> yeah. all of English to start with. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're working our way through all of the egg options. I, I taught myself to do poach last weekend. Today, we went for boiled, and we're quickly running out of eggs. We think we're going to kind of move on to baked eggs, maybe a bit of shakshuka. But I think... uh, What's a baked egg? Where where you kind of bake the eggs in the oven. So you're cooking them via baking, right? Maybe in a bit of tomato sauce, something like that. But I'm I'm thinking if this does drag on, it's then quite possible that we'll exhaust all the egg options. And we'll actually need to invent an entirely new method of egg preparation. I think that's yeah, going to be I think our the... contribution <laughs> to this post-quarantine world. But the collection of egg options at the moment has got complacent, James, over the years. I mean, I, can't, I don't remember too many new additions. I mean, I've just learned of the baked egg there. But that's not a staple, is it? That's not a popular one necessarily. Mm. So I think you scrambled, you poached, you fried. I mean, they've all perhaps been resting on their laurels for too long. And this kind of extended period of quarantine that we all find ourselves in now, you know, might just give them a little kick up the backside that they need and, and we'll create a few more alternatives. Yeah, this could be what the egg world has been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> Egg 2.0. We're ready to answer the call. I might be able to get a little bit of celebrity collaboration on this because somebody else who's living the quarantine dream, it's been reported today, is Spider-Man actor Tom Holland, who is improvising in isolation like the best of us. As I was saying at the top of the show, even celebrities are facing, yeah, of course, they're, they're... quarantined in bigger houses and probably have a more cushy setup not at all trying to lose sight of that but even they are facing this situation obviously having to abide by rules and Tom Holland was saying that he couldn't get any eggs obviously no celebrity egg dealers that I'm not getting the number of which is reassuring I could sleep easier tonight knowing I'm not missing out on any particularly prime free-range action but he had decided that because he couldn't get any eggs, he was just going to buy some chickens. So he's got three new chickens with the slightly dubious names Predator, Ranger and Chestnut. I mean, Chestnut sounds like she's just laying eggs, but Predator and... She's going to get eaten by the other two. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, either that or Predator and Ranger are guard chickens. And he's got something (laughs) particularly valuable at home he doesn't want anyone getting to. But yeah, he's doing that so that he can have his own egg supply line. And to be honest, if eggs run out and I still need to do this egg experimentation, then I could be tempted to follow in his footsteps. Not sure how well hens take to London apartments. 
Maybe stay <laughs> tuned to London Coronavirus Podcast to find out. Well, if it were for Joey and Chandler and friends, uh, James, then who knows? But I think this this kind of move towards the quarantine long game as well. It just I think people are trying to slip it in as well. I think I spoke yesterday or a couple of days ago about my mum delivering uh, to me a Christmas Christmas themed tea towel, right? And at first that seemed really harmless, and then I'm just starting to wonder whether people know something that I don't. You know, if you're buying your own hens, your own chickens, uh, it, you know, to to solve your egg needs then i just wonder i wonder how long this long game could be but uh, it's better it's best not to speculate i think at this stage yeah, isolation investments seem to be catching nice. on not much point putting any money into an isa right now so may as well put it into your isolation <laughs> Next up, we've got the section of the show where we try to give you a few practical tips to surviving and thriving in this absolutely mad coronavirus world that we live in. Sometimes we get an expert in, sometimes we'll just offer up some genuinely practical advice. And there's not too many more important aspects of our life right now than the internet. And the fact is it's being used like never before, really, with everyone just cooped up inside. There are one or two top tips to make your Wi-Fi speed as snappy as ever. One of which I saw today, James, really tickled me. And perhaps this won't resonate with the younger millennials out there. But there's an application called Lynx where you can view the entire internet in just kind of teletext style format. So you just see the text. There's no images. There's no graphics. There's none of the fancy stuff. You just see everything laid down in bare black and white text. And uh, yeah, it might not hit with the, with the millennials. But, it, you know, for, for those of us who are in their early 30s or above, you'll remember the time when you literally just used to see everything in that text when you went on uh, when you went on different forums so yeah it's, it's a throwback but it might just speed up your wi-fi and the second tip is to keep a numerical symbol as the first character in the wi-fi name and a lot of people in big cities and london flats will live in uh, yeah we we'll live we we'll live with so many different people in the flats above and below them so there'll be a lot of wi-fi offerings and if you just put a symbol or a number at the top of your Wi-Fi name. This will make sure your Wi-Fi name is on the top when you have a large number of Wi-Fi's available and in theory will speed up your browsing needs. So that's just a couple of tips, James. Uh, take from that what you will, but hopefully that will speed up everyone's Wi-Fi in London and around the world. Yeah, we were prompted to focus on the internet today, weren't we, Dave, by the fact that there was this big announcement with great fanfare this morning from Ofcom who run all the communications and regulate that here in the UK. But they denounced that the, there were some key tips while we we're all stuck at home to make sure that your Wi-Fi runs well. And one of their top mm. tips was to make sure that you don't use the microwave at the same time as using your Wi-Fi for something like a video call, which is at best inconvenient when you're trying to defrost <laughs> and also make that business happen at the same time. So they were saying that you couldn't go for those at once. Now, I'm slightly worried that actually the way that people working from home would use this information from Ofcom was when they are on a video call, they'll just turn on the microwave to interrupt the signal. There won't even be anything in there, <laughs> and they'll just be using that. Kind of like if you back in the day were pretending that the signal was breaking up on your phone by rustling like sweet wrappers. It would be like the work sure. from home video call equivalent of that. 
So next up on the London Coronavirus podcast, we've got our update from around the globe. This is where we check in on a part of the globe where they can give us a little bit of an offering and insight into just what's happening there and how they're dealing with it. And perhaps some positive news stories as well from different parts of the planet. Uh, We've been to quite a few countries already, James, but this time we go to one that's actually been in the news quite a lot today. And that is Japan. And my friend John, who is based out in Tokyo, he's lived in Asia for about a decade now. And of course, this is on, uh, well, it's in the week that Tokyo are being forced to, to cancel, of course, the the 2020 Olympic Games. So this is John. He talks about the tight spaces that Tokyo's famed for, for, for their residents living in and the situation in Tokyo. And it's quite a, quite a positive, upbeat tone, actually. So here is John from Tokyo. Hi, my name's John. Uh, I live in Tokyo, Japan. I've lived in Asia for about 10 years now, uh, seven in Japan and three in Vietnam. Um, yeah, the situation has been very normal here in Tokyo. The, you know, people have been going about their daily life. The trains are running, bars and restaurants are still open. I've been in the office for the past few weeks as well. Stores are still stocked up. Uh, there's been some of the panic buying as well, uh, but I certainly haven't seen people fighting over toilet paper. Uh, there's no real regulations in place or lockdowns as of yet. Uh, there has been announced today that there may be some kind of some coming in in the next week or so and they've advised us to stay indoors but generally people are quite calm and quite positive about things you know the olympics being cancelled was a massive disappointment for sure but i think people knew that was going to happen they knew it was coming so it hasn't hit them too much really um there's a bit of a belief by people that maybe more tests should be carried out um and maybe they were downplaying the situation because of the olympics a little bit which is probably true but generally even with that knowledge they've remained pretty calm and pretty composed about the whole situation uh you know there's been no panic buying people have generally been helping each other the masks and hand sanitizer that's actually been a thing in japan anyway long long before the coronavirus situation so maybe that's also helped in some way as well um yeah i think really in japan I think, unfortunately, there's been a series of disasters over the past 10 years. I was here for the 2011 earthquake and tsunami. There was a huge typhoon hit last year. It was devastating. Um, you know, there's big ty- there's big earthquakes every year. There's smaller ones every few months. So, uh, unfortunately, it, it's, uh, you know, some disasters are a normal part of life for some people here, um, which actually has benefited them in a way that it's allowed them to stay quite calm and composed, I think, in this situation. Um, so yeah, the outlook is quite positive. I think people are feeling that you know things are going to get back to normal soon, and we'll be through this fairly soon as well, and things will go back to normal. Cheers. That was my friend John from Tokyo, Japan, James. And I tell you what, mate, it's quite nice to hear. You know, something upbeat, a country that obviously has been affected by this, as every country has, but a country that perhaps has just started to see the light, just starting to get back to normal, even though I guess maybe when we're so wrapped up in things in Europe, we just assume that... Uh, you know, each each continent kind of has a blanket situation. But even though obviously what's happened in China and China's starting to come through it, you can see in Japan as well, uh, you know, John sounded like he was going to work, everything's still open and things just, just generally going back to normal. And I think at that point for Londoners and a lot of Europeans, that's actually really, really important to hear. Yeah, the, the Japanese are still managing to stay quite chipper even with the Olympic cancellation, look, it had become clearer and clearer that that looked like it was going to be inevitable, as he said. But I was reading that there's this feeling that maybe Japan is cursed when it comes to the Olympics because the only times that the Olympics have been cancelled before were when they were given to Japan as well. 
1940 and 1944. <laughs> oh, wow. And then it's come to happen again. So the fact that even though it had become clearer and clearer that that may well happen, they've managed to remain positive through that is also some good positive perspective, I think, from, from a nation that are keeping their chins up as much as possible. You've been to Japan, yeah, right, James? I have indeed, yeah. And it is one of the cleanest places. In fact, right. the cleanest place I think I've ever been in the world. Like, oh, wow. The, weirdly, there are no bins anywhere, though. <laughs> okay. So you finish like a bottle of water and about... And you won't see a bin all day, but everywhere's so clean. But even if you might have thought, well, I'll leave it here for someone to pick up, you just couldn't possibly entertain that idea out there. Yeah. Because everywhere's spotless. It's like a movie set almost. But there are no bins. So you end up in this surreal situation where you finish a bottle of water and end up carrying it around empty, almost like it's some kind of mascot yeah. when you're walking around town for the rest of the day. It's very bizarre, but... I can see why their hygiene measures that they have in place already would have been helpful in preempting a situation like this. Now, it's interesting. It's like when society polices itself almost, isn't it? Where like, you, you couldn't possibly put the water bottle down, as you say. And is it, I mean, John said there, it's all hand sanitizer and face masks. That's been a part of Japanese modern culture, I guess, in the last, uh, well, I mean, John's been there seven years and he said it's been a part of his life there. So it's interesting that, you know, perhaps if, if that's the way Japan have already been living for seven years, that's the way the rest of the world are going to live in the seven years to come. Who knows? And now it's that time as we head towards the end of today's pod where we serve up a slice of coronavirus kindness and two stories that really spoke to me today from the UK, both involving food and drink, actually. One is from local restaurants Olivo. They've got a few locations around town. And I saw on Instagram that on Friday night, some of their most loyal customers had got together in a WhatsApp group and had said, look, something that brings us real pleasure in life is the pizza from this restaurant. We want to do something small. And so they had a whip around and funded 11 pizzas to be taken to the ICU, the intensive care unit at Chelsea and Westminster Hospital, just around the corner. And they turned up with these as a surprise for the people working there for the NHS. And they said that to say the nurses were touched when they received the pizzas is beyond an understatement. So they, oh, they wow. were, you know, really have their day made by this. And they've now set up a campaign where people can contact them and sponsor a night's pizza delivery. And they're trying to go and do this every night. So you can find them on Instagram as Olivo Restaurants, if that's something that interests you. But I thought really lovely, just like local grassroots way of making a small difference to the people who were really the heroes in every sense. I mean, even that word doesn't come close to doing them justice right now. The people fighting this on the front line in the NHS. And there's a nationwide 
round of applause, clap our carers being organised for Thursday night this week. So tomorrow, Mm. as we're recording this, probably today, when a lot of you are listening to this, that's Thursday, the 26th of March at 8pm, as a small way of us all trying to show our thanks to people in the NHS. And then the drink story to wash down that food coronavirus kindness story is from gin brand Sipsmiths. Actually, funnily enough, I've been to their distillery, which is here in London in Hammersmith. I mean, they're a big popular gin these days, but still quite a small space and a a small company. And they're trying to make a difference to their industry too, which obviously has been hugely hard hit with the closure of all the bars, pubs, restaurants over the past week. So... They have started this campaign called Sip and Support, which is partnered up with the Drinks Trust. And you can go online and through the GoFundMe campaign for Sip and Support, everyone who pays £20 into that, which is going to support people who normally work in the hospitality industry, will be sent a code which they can redeem with Sipsmiths to receive 12 free cans of premium gin and tonic. So a really lovely one where you can support people who are in an industry which has been hit hard by these developments in the UK over the past week and get some delicious drinks delivered to your door to help brighten up your own quarantine too. Seems like a win-win to me, that one. Yeah, there's just so many great stories, James. And I mean, you kind of pick one or two every day, don't you, mate? But there could be, you know, there's there's 10, 20 stories always coming out that, that are available. And I think it's just showing the, the good side of people as well. So so that's really good. And, and of course, so many people, James, have answered the call for additional help for the NHS. I mean, a crazy amount of uh, people have, have, have offered to, to volunteer and help the NHS. Is it 400,000? Have I got that yeah. right? Something, something really massive. Over 400,000 people have come through to help today, volunteering in all different manners of ways to help support the NHS. And really, I mean, that's where we need to just take a little pause for some perspective, don't we? Normally, if 400 or 4,000 people volunteered for any cause in the UK I feel like that would be national news on any given day and here we are in a situation which has moved 400,000 people to give up their time and try to make a positive difference and really that is just the smallest kind of inspiration I think people are feeling from the NHS and the people there who, who are sacrificing so much to try and make a difference right now so yeah countless contenders for coronavirus kindness every day and it feels like they're multiplying not decreasing as this wears on day so just so much inspiration out there when we do focus our attention on that right to finish off every podcast every daily podcast of course on the london coronavirus podcast we end with a quote and today i was thinking about the fact that this is perhaps for the medium or long term, all of these changes. And I know that's a little bit daunting to to, to kind of comprehend and internalise, but I've just opened myself up to that possibility. And the fact that the world might, might look a little bit different when we come out the other side of this. And 
With that in mind, my quote today, James, is from Japanese organizing consultant Marie Kondo. I don't know whether you've read her stuff or watched her stuff, but I know uh, she was she's very popular and a lot of people have liked it. And she's about minimalism and enjoying your, the space that you live in and only having items in your home that are really important to you. And I just thought it'd be, you know, when I looked at my own flat and I try and keep it as minimal as possible, it made me think that really some of the objects you have now might not be necessary and might not give you any joy or have any value in a world when we go the other side of coronavirus. So listen, the quote is this from Marie Kondo. The space in which we live should be for the person we are becoming now, not for the person we were in the past. 